Welcome, alien overlords, to your Secret Invasion podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the reptiloid who has assumed the visage of Pete. Hello, Pete. You keep telling me what you're not going to do. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. The Secret Invasion podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode four, Beloved. Is brought to you by Les Evangels. C'est magnifique. Pete, as we look around all of the very changed Hollywood land, uh, tomorrow will be Star Trek Sunday as we talk Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, episode 205. Really looking forward to that discussion for a very, very fun episode. Halfway through this second season matt i can't believe it and we're on the clock now we are pete with uh with the dual strikes going on in hollywood and granted plenty of content to come out in the medium term uh we're going to be putting up on patreon uh a poll open to all uh to see if the content uh the content well runs dry what should Fantastic Geek do in these in these strike-addled times? So look for that on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Again, open to all, whether you're a patron or not. Uh, want to see what the people want to talk about. One of the forthcoming pieces of content we'll be bringing you, of course. Ahsoka dropped a new trailer this week and let us know with that they will be bringing us the first two episodes of the eight episode series on uh august 23rd um we will podcast the uh trailer and give you a little bit more on monday and pete though bob Iger doesn't want people talking about this uh, of course hollywood essentially has had two-thirds uh of it uh, of the talent shut down uh for the first time since 1960 that of uh, of course, is the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Um, so certainly an un, unparalleled uh, challenges going on, uh, unprecedented and so forth. Uh, and indeed some reflection, Bob Iger saying that uh, Marvel TV essentially has not been any good. Yeah, uh, not only that, the idea that... Uh, they could do less. They could offload what they have. These are public negotiation tactics. This is not, nor should it be seen as Marvel TV is going away. Uh, Clark Gregg playfully tweeted, of course, at uh, his one-time boss, uh, you know, the perceived slight that Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. and its seven seasons uh, beginning Marvel on TV in this era, um, you know, and then the idea that uh, as if we're going to do less, do fewer films, TV shows, Oh, we're spending too much, so we'll we'll uh, pare it back. If not, maybe we'll sell it. Uh, these aren't going anywhere. 
And Pete, news just uh, as we started to record here that uh, Ms. Marvel, you know, that was on Disney Plus last summer, uh, will air on ABC uh, Saturdays in August, uh, three episodes on August 5th and three episodes on August 12th. Uh, a reminder that our Ms. Marvel podcast covering the totality of the season, including seeing uh, some of the cast and crew at the Paley Center 13 months ago. Wow. Uh, that is up on uh, on the Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek feed just now. So right there, proof that there is the possibility that the exclusives, we've already seen this done with some of Andor, um, can wind up over the air or on other channels. Okay. And Matt, uh, with the writer's strike, uh, continuing to wear on in uh, the the 70s as far as days at this point. Uh, tweet from former Daredevil uh, season one showrunner Stephen Denight that, okay, you know, you had um, Daredevil originate at Netflix, go over to Disney, uh, auditing the residuals which he has to pay for as if we needed more proof that the streamers are playing games with their secretive numbers out. Oh, we're losing money, Matt. We're losing money to the thing that all these households pay for every single month. It is, it is a bonkers environment in Hollywood right now. And certainly the notion that, Let's say the notion that a week ago, ooh, maybe the actors are, you know, in the home stretch of a deal and that would then set a precedence and the writers could then return to the fold after that. You know, no, this is full out. Prepare for something lengthy here. Yes, streamers and studios have quietly been building up a backlog to cover the strike. And I think in retrospect, the studios were planning for a strike, seriously planning for a strike all along. Um but, you know, buckle up, I would say, at this early stage, buckle up for a lengthy suspension in production. Gaia's lifeless body lays in the woods where she was shot to death by Gravik in flashback. She accessed the memories of Dr. Rosa Dalton and got to work in her lab, loading Extremis into the machine. The chest of the actress in the application begins to glow, and then Gaia gasps back to life to bring TV and films Amelia Clark back from the dead. Pete, I can't believe that one of the biggest TV stars in the last 15 years is back on TV after being killed off last week. It's 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 amazing. If uh, we, only there was footage of her past that that we had been shown by uh, Marvel Studios. Pete, you're not supposed to enthusiastically interact with these shows. You just watch the ads and line up to the trough just the way just the way those suits want you to. We get the credits and then flashback to Paris in 2012. Fury going into a restaurant. He hangs his coat. He finds his wife. Uh, she notes recent stories about the Avengers in New York. 
didn't someone she knew get them all together? If that is the case, it wouldn't surprise her one bit, uh, for she knows a man who knows the dangers of the universe and values protecting things here at home. She's reading a collection of Raymond Carver's poetry. Raymond Carver, Matt, my favorite short story author. Uh, But Fury's more of a history guy. Known for his brevity, Carver's late fragment is her favorite poem. They read the conversational poem uh, and call and feel beloved as they hold hands. In the present day, Scylla sits in the rear of a church. Uh, James Church, Matt, likes James Rhodes. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, there's Rhodey joining her uh, as the choir starts to sing. Uh, how, how was it that Fury was fired only a few days ago? Who did that? Well, Rhodey says he did the job. Thank you very much. Uh, Rhodey doing it is the same as Gravik saying it. Uh, and indeed, further task here, Scylla must kill Fury. Um, she says it's a job not worth doing. The old Fury is gone. This one is weak and shriveling. Freudian, perhaps. Uh, but foe Rhodey says either she can do the job or he'll be doing, he, Rhodey, will be doing the job, perhaps, on her. With that, he tells her to enjoy the concert. Exiting a Learjet, Pagan tells Gravik that they have a problem since Gaia isn't there with them. But G tells them she's the mole and already taken care of. They want them to think it's the Russians. So make it big and loud like they would. Talos and Gaia meet on a bench overlooking a pond where he admits he should never have forced her into this and apologizes. She doesn't need to have him feel sorry or pity for anything she's done of her own free will. Uh, She's with him to answer the question of where she belongs The only thing she needs from him is a plan once and for all for finding their people a home because Gravik has already implemented his and it works. He says first they'll take down the insurgency with fury. Then they'll go to the president with a big bargaining chip after saving the planet from something in return. And he believes he can secure amnesty for the million scrolls remaining but she asks if he even wants to live in his own skin which he says he does but they have to deal with the reality they're a people without a planet depending on the goodwill of their hosts and they must show their hearts and apparently no one who's in this show or who has anything to do with it has ever heard of the asgardians (laughs) In the Fury residence, uh, of course, Pete, Nick Fury, having listened in on that prior church conversation, Scylla returns, finding Nick's ring in the bowl. He hears the sounds of cooking and finds Fury in the kitchen making tea. He jovially makes her a cup, 
uh, saying he just plumb forgot to put the ring on, came in, you know, the other th- through the back door. Uh, he was needed at work. They sit at the table and he stares of all the reckless things he's ever done. He reflects she is the greatest mistake. He ignored all the instincts to stop being himself just so he could be with her. He knows that she plans to kill him. Uh, but Pete, and just a great line here, he might do it all over again just to get here. They both uh, put their guns on the table as the tension in the scene increases. He asks her to tell him the story of how she chose Dr. Priscilla Davis, who was dying of a congenital heart defect. They became close, and she was looking for someone who would slip Fury's defenses. She tells Nick not uh, to accuse her of playing the long game. When the doctor came in and told her she had a matter of hours, uh, she decided to just come out and ask uh, Dr. Priscilla Davis if she wanted to fall in love, telling her about Fury. She made three promises to bury her at sea, continue to be a daughter to her parents, and never hurt Fury. She apologizes, and he late fragments her. As they finish the poem, they both fire, which echoes through the stillness of their home. He shot a mask on the wall and she the wall behind him he's not sure if that means they should get divorced or renew their vows but they'll be coming for her now the best scene in the series thus far one that's about dialogue and emotion and acting which is ironic because you know usually in marvel it's about fantastic reveals and great action sequences and so forth uh he Uh, is getting ready to leave and she wonders if uh, she could have been loved if she was her true self he does not answer perhaps we'll never know we cut to a scroll pete uh, one whose form is implied to be in the uh human female uh variety if you will this scroll with the strategically placed towel then becoming (gasps) roadie Uh, he walks into a room with Fury sitting there. He, as Rhodey. Uh, Fury didn't like how the firing conversation went. Brothers got to stick together. Fury's there to share some liquid lunch. Pappy Van Winkle whiskey. Uh, Pappy, you outdid yourself with this $5,000 bottle. And Pete, uh, I, I know you and I discussed this off air. I certainly did not know before this episode that one could get Pappy Van Winkle uh, age 23 years for over $5,000 a bottle. That's a true fact from our real world. Cause this is not what we spend Patreon dollars on, <laughs> nor will it ever be. Indeed. Uh, don't waste a drop though. Rody. Uh, make sure you drink down in this pre poured glass. Uh, I love that as they or right after they clink glasses, Rody's still not drinking fury talking about how he's here to squash the beef and to let him in on a secret there are scrolls in the u.s government yes including a mole very close 
to the president. But all Scroll Rody, henceforth Scrody, has to do is give Fury his job back. Scrody drains his glass and makes a counter offer with the surveillance footage of Fury killing the special guest star. A generous special guest star, uh, Kobe Smolder's credit at the end of this episode. But yes, the footage uh, shown uh, again. Um, there are copies of that footage uh, in multiple places. Rody slash Scrody says um, Rody is going to keep the video and its copies all hidden. Uh, but you need to keep the scroll thing quiet. Rody says to Fury. Uh, and by the way, Rody is going to keep this bottle of Pappy and Fury. You can hit the road without the bottle. Uh, we cut to Talos uh, and a conversation regarding a liquid location tracker. You see, Pete, through the magic of cinema, we can now understand that what Rody drank was the liquid location tracker. And it's time for Talos and Fury in an SUV 30 feet from a crowd of like 20 people protesting to then fairly easily trail Rody as Rody leaves his hotel uh, location. Scrody meets President Ritson at Air Force One before the most important negotiations since the Cuban Missile Crisis. He tells the president he must project strength with an old Vladimir Lenin quote. When you find flesh, push. When you find steel, you stop. The president pauses and asks Scrooge if he pre-gamed for their summit with the Russians with half a bottle of bourbon. He tells the Secret Service to make sure Scrooge has a large coffee for the road before getting in the stagecoach. Scrooge orders his broken arm agent to get him a mint. Uh, a wonderful scene here. I don't know why, Pete, they call it the stagecoach as opposed to the beast, which is what it's called, at least in our reality. I guess the I guess I've just answered it myself. In the MCU, they don't call it the beast; they call it uh, the stagecoach. Probably, it's also easier to for you know people who don't know such things. Regardless, Pete, if the um, X Men develop a uh, character known as stagecoach, it, it's going to be confusing. I, that may be a factor as well. Uh, the presidential motorcade hits the road. Uh, no roadie pun intended. Roadie does place a call to say that they're in transit. Citadel is in position number four. Pete, that's the code there for the president is in car number four. Gravix choppers come on in, firing missiles. Cars are flying, tipping over. You see, Pete, uh, though they might have you believe that uh, this is a mere TV show. It's actually a movie in six parts. Look at those cars go flying. Um, Fury and Talos see the smoke and take it off road. The president is alive and black vans join the two attacking choppers yelling in Russian as Gravik repels in for a fierce firefight. Scrody calmly takes it all in from his car. A missile takes out one copter, the other dodging and hitting the missile shooting truck fury and talos roll up and talos calls it a kill zone but fury says the whole planet will be one if the president dies 
They gear up from the back of Fury's truck, and Fury hits the other copter that goes down by stagecoach. Pagan tells Gravik Fury's there, and Gravik groots an agent to death. All a good scene here. Reinforcements start to arrive. Uh, pro, you know, presidential reinforcements. Well, they have British uh, flags on their armor. Pete, it's the special relationship at at uh, at work here. Fury moves to cover the president. We see Talo punching the glass. Pete, that's like three-inch bulletproof glass here for the Beast, a.k.a. Cadillac 1, or as they say in the MCU... Uh, uh, the the stagecoach. He's trying to punch through the glass to get to the president here. Then Talos hit by a bullet. Uh, he slowly starts to change to his scroll form, but keeps on punching. A soldier sees Talos uh, at first, worried. Oh, the alien is trying to get him. But no, 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 Pete. This is a a good scroll. He is told the soldier is told as much. Ultimately, Talos finds himself in full scroll form. Uh, they're able to extricate uh, the president out of uh, out of the car there, and Fury starts to escort the president to his own car. But wait, Pete, what's happening to Talos, our beloved Talos? After Pagan had hit him in the left shoulder to slow him, a British soldier helped him up since Fury was busy with the president turning around as he reaches his car here to see that soldier with Talos who he tells to put down and draws on and shoots revealing Gravik who stabs Talos in the chest. Fury wipes out the left side of Gravik's face, but he extremises it back as reinforcement copters arrive Pagan gets Gravik out on a motorcycle and Fury drives the president away as Talos lays on the ground. Time to analyze the fallout from this episode. Are there any Avengers still out there? Well, I suppose it's possible. Again, I keep I keep watching this show through the lens of it existing in the MCU, but it existing in a little slice called Secret Invasion Six Episodes. Uh subscribe to Disney Plus now as opposed to Secret Invasion colon countdown to, you know, Avengers film. Um I'm further kind of perplexed by, you know, who who is the Avenger who has shown up in other Disney Plus shows? It's Rhodey. So now we can kind of go back and play that game. Was it Scroll Rhodey who showed up in one or two episodes of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and so forth? But I don't know it. I don't know what to expect from the next two episodes. I know what some people on the internet want me to expect, and we'll get to that in due course. But Pete, if you're asking me when do the Avengers show up to save the day, my gut says they're not going to next week nor the following week. What if Sam Wilson were to show up? Uh, Sam Wilson is an Avenger. Shame on me for not going to that. I mean, I mean, that's a more 
that's a more logical option. That's a that's a very logical option, in fact. Um, especially too, and I don't mean to sound pessimistic, Pete, but in terms of this this the way these Disney Plus shows have stretched out across time, it would be now would be a nice time to get Sam Wilson, Captain America, to come in and to refresh our our cognizance of his existence. Um, not that I've forgotten it at all, and that was certainly a, a, a highlight of his show. And I, I look forward to whenever the next Captain America movie starring uh, Anthony Mackie. I look forward to that coming out post-strike, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it feels like it's been so long since he was crowned Captain America. Yeah, next week would be a great time for us to be reminded of that and to have a rousing, you know, huzzah, Captain America has helped here with hurt president ritson and so forth if only he'd been in the suit sometime before the screen actors struck well i know this series shot forever ago and i know that they've let's see off the top of my head um captain america 4 has been filming for several weeks if not a month or two right prior Mm -hmm. to this shutdown yep so uh, certainly all possible but pete let's let's get to the heart of the matter here there you know I, we are our foundation is agents of shield it is the mothership as we have said many times before there are people uh who in their enthusiasm said uh that we will get agents of shield characters in episode two no episode three no for sure episode four that's the big reveal then when that was not the big reveal this week i legitimately saw someone on twitter saying there must be multiple agents of shield who save the day next week. That must be the case. Your thoughts, Pete. Wait, Matt, we're getting a quake watch. Quake watch 2023. Pete, take us to the big board. Give us the update next week. Chloe Bennett returns, put it in the books, right? Well, Matt, I'm over here. I have circled Talos's body, possibly lifeless on the ground, leaving fury with no one left. So definitely, maybe, probably, Chloe Bennett returns next episode. Or doesn't. Uh, let's start with this, Pete. To see on, you know, uh, as Wednesday unfolded, as people watch this episode, it has been strange to see the, to see the Chloe Bennett quake goalposts you know kind of repositioned and repositioned and repositioned and this notion of um prognosticators saying it is guaranteed she returns next week because you know i'm a twitter person and i promised it would happen during this show something that you and i have been a little dubious of the entire run i don't know what what do you think the likelihood is of quake showing up next week what's pete's analysis i think it's pretty low guys uh yeah (laughs) i think you have a far greater chance of some other people potentially popping up before this um were they somehow able to do it and uh we wind up seeing it i don't think you can rule anything out that is the the power of marvel studios the ability to reach for that Disney Plus in general, the cameo game has been super strong. Okay. 
possibly the the greatest surprise ever being uh, Luke Skywalker in season two of The Mandalorian. So you cannot rule anything out. That being said, Matt, they've laid no ground for her to suddenly pop up. And it's going to deus ex machina the heck out of that, what, to show up and, you know, quake things? Well, but Pete, I I read... Uh, I read somebody on Twitter saying that not only could it be her, but why not, uh, you know, Agent Phil Coulson, why not Agent Melinda May, uh, Clark Gregg and Ming-Na Wen, respectively. So I guess if you're saying it's unlikely for one of them, it's probably three times as unlikely for the trio. It would be so much fun to bring them back and have that happen. And we had Fury on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, what that uh, playfully Clark Gregg suggested didn't matter to Bob Iger. Um, I, I just don't know that that's the reach that's happening here. They last starred alongside one another in Captain Marvel. I think you'd see Brie Larson before you saw that combination. Well, not only does next week bring you know, whoever is going to come in and save the day and perhaps more cameos and all of that. But we are also entering the the final two episodes, not next week, mind you, but next week and the following week, the final two episodes, we're entering essentially the third act of this secret invasion story here. Um, do, you know, we the, the harvest uh, mechanism, we have not had a ton of story. We didn't have any kind of story advance on that this week. Will we see the harvest device used next week how how do you think we're going to start to wrap things up in the penultimate episode is not the machine that gaia used have they not harvest harvested extremis and groot and you know potentially more powers we've seen the groot uh power use now um i would agree that that is likely I mean, if we're going to get in last week's episode, a lot of exposition to make sure that people are clear about things. And I made the argument in last week's podcast that some of that exposition was maybe done in post because things were not clear. Um, at the very least, can we get a speech saying, and this is the harvest machine where we have taken DNA from leftover pieces of Groot, leftover splody bits from uh, from who was once the Mandarin, but then retconned to not be the Mandarin in Iron Man three, uh, as well as, uh, you know, bits and bobs from Cull Obsidian. And this is where we have harvested their DNA. Like I, I would not mind a scene like that because there's been intrigue around the harvest device. When was Colonel James Rhodes replaced? Well, I know that there are five G quotes saying like, that's the question you should be asking. Um, I it's a would, question you just asked. Well, there you go. Um, I would certainly say, I uh, I think that a very good starting point for that is we are looking at a replaced roadie, uh, in, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because I think that that's kind of containable in terms of 
um, you know, how far they've said, well, we're going to do this show, we're going to do that show, and, and there's a certain arc to things and so forth. Um, look, Marvel, I think, to, to its credit, they've always, yeah, and, and this is an example I always return to, the fact that, what, in Endgame there was the cat, and then the cat became a mouse, and that's how Ant-Man came back. But for a while it was like, there needs to be a cat in this story or that story or whatever the particulars were there needs to be there needs to be a thing and it's an animal and and there, however there's a flexibility there you don't necessarily need the origin of the cat seated in you know in a 2010 movie so that can pay off in 2020 that kind of thing um there's a flexibility there to roll to roll with things so i think that in that spirit of flexibility i don't know that we're going to go back and say like, oh man, when they recast the roadie role, that's when the scroll shift happened. Like, you know, A, I don't think it goes back that far. B, I think that we as audience members won't appreciate knowing that a beloved uh, character, albeit a supporting character, but a beloved character nonetheless, you know, we're not going to appreciate knowing, oh, it hasn't been roadie for the last seven years. That'd be pretty cool if it was the replacement of the actor <laughs> that's when it happened i would hope pete i would hope greatly that we are going to get an answer to that in the next two episodes i'm all for the fun of a of a grand marvel to be continued but eh, i'm not even talking in terms of kind of a, a, a the the shadow of the strike here um I don't want this to be a mystery that we say, well, we're going to resolve it in another show or in another movie. So just hang on because in 2027, you have the answer. Like, no, in the next two episodes, you can say, man, I can't believe the original roadie has been down in that scroll holding thing for the last three years, six months, two days, whatever it is. Let's, let's get it stated and get it resolved, please. Would Vera slash Priscilla understand all of these earther wrestling references to ddt's and the undertaker <laughs> uh I, pete i mean they've all been here since what 1996 or so that's plenty of time to to sample the heyday of the wwe uh golden years becoming the wwf all of that um so sure i mean pete there may even be scrolls with some familiarity with the guardians that are like hey isn't it weird that that batista guy looks like drax <laughs> um that's awfully strange here uh, i was going to suggest that the creator of the wwe was a scroll but i i like your idea even better like they love it because it looks like Drax. They're like, that's the guy they're watching for Bautista. And along the way, they're like, oh man, I'm really digging like this rock storyline. Oh man, look, Lita from the top, uh, the top uh, rung there jumping on people. Like it's, yeah, that, that was the entrance. Talos laid out his plan to his daughter. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to save the world. And then we'll go with Fury to the president. Well, at the end of this episode, President's still kicking, Fury's still kicking, Gaia's still kicking, but it's Talos in the Gaia spot uh, who may or may not extremis out of it. 
So if your question is, what is Talos's fate? I mean, we had someone ostensibly die at the end of last episode and she's back in this one. I feel like Talos is not, you know, if you want to say Talos has passed out, it's blood loss. Like, I don't feel like Talos is dead as a doornail, doornail at the end of this episode. So I feel like he can come back. However, if we just rewind to Talos's plan, for as much as I think that the emotional heart of the episode was the Fury Scylla scenes and reflecting on love and duty and all of that, I think that the Talos Gaia scene is a close second because I think there's a certain optimism to Talos's plan. And as I was watching it, I was feeling very pessimistic and not pessimistic against the show. Just this notion of Talos saying, hey, here we are as the, um, the, 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 the creature minority on this planet. If we just do our best, it's a meritocracy. The, the cream will rise to the top and the president's going to sit and say, welcome everybody, right? And I'm kind of watching it saying, I'm reminded of the Fury line from a couple episodes ago. You know, humans are terrible to each other. We've been fighting since we could throw rocks and all of that. And again, none of this is a criticism against the show, the writing, and so forth. I, I am critical of Talos's optimism here, and I could see, uh, I could see a president Ritson or similar saying, "Yeah, thanks for all the help." And deportations begin on Tuesday. Uh, but as I pointed out in the recap, Matt, the Asgardians, a people without a planet, granted, not a million of them, uh, are living on Earth. Um, true. I mean, and look, do I think that this show, because this is the double-edged blade with Marvel as well, where it's like, could this show be about the minority experience, the refugee experience, and all of that? It could be, or we're going to have a big laser battle sometime in the last two episodes, and we're going to have some cool cameos, and we're going to have some sort of thing, probably in episode six, where somebody says... Uh, don't forget, let's make sure you go see the Marvels in November. Um, so they might not dig into that. I mean, Pete, let me be completely pessimistic here. What if nobody says, but what about the Asgardians? What if the show just completely ignores the fact that Earth is already a haven to a refugee people and doesn't even make it a story point because it's inconvenient, despite the fact you'd think that scrolls all, all the whole million scrolls would be like, you know, when when the time is right and we and, and they see that we're nice, they'll let us stay like the Asgardians, right? Like that is a logical you're coming from a place of logic. I guess I'm just being a little pessimistic as to how sometimes Marvel does not sometimes Marvel's worried about the the arc of this six episode show that only is ever gonna exist as six episodes and you gotta do beginning, middle, end and wrap it up and send it on a bow for the future. It can exist both ways. Um we like to talk all the time about how it's all connected, right? That they would reach for that back to Talos being on or potentially off the table. I think it comes down to the subject of how many fake deaths can we tolerate? You know, we know that Kobe Smulders is in the Marvels is the Marvels, does the Marvels exist before Secret Invasion in the time that 
Nick Fury's on Saber. Well, it's not bearded, hopeless Fury then, which changes this series. You would think he gets his mojo back and then he's up there, um, which would effectively make her death a fake out that, uh, you know, Maria Hill was a scrawl, was replaced, um, and that we're going to get her back. You know, at, at some point, death's got to mean death instead of not trusting, you know, at the end of three of these four episodes, somebody gets plugged and we've got to question whether they're actually dead. I mean, Bob Iger's comment essentially though not about this show and not about these story points was to this general point, which is you are stating Pete a certain concern over story sloppiness and over the ability for the powers that be for the producers that be to produce meaningful results here. Cause anybody, and I don't mean to disrespect, you know, the, the writer in all of this process, but you know, if the producer says, uh, write a scene where Maria Hill gets killed off. It's going to make sure it's really sad. Like, okay, maybe the producer has the vision to see how that's necessary for this show, for this story arc, for the next movie, the la- whatever it might be. Um, but, I mean, look, I don't expect some sort of continuity thing like Maria Hill is just fine in the Marvels in the present day and they ignore her death. But if we're seeing the when we're sitting in the Marvels, if all the Maria Hill stuff is, you know, boom, 1998 flashback, boom, 2000 flashback. If she's existing entirely in flashbacks, frankly, a la as Clark Gregg's Coulson did in Captain Marvel, that's fine. And if if she's if Maria Hill's really dead at the end of this series uh, and we get her as a major supporting role, but it's all in flashbacks, that's fine. No harm, no foul. Um, I, I still don't know that you needed to kill her off. I don't know that I felt, you know, the tears. I didn't feel the punch in the gut. But if it's permanent, maybe I'll go back and feel more of that. So that's one option. Another option is, you know, kind of story baloney stuff, which I think we will tolerate to a certain degree. And let's not forget, Pete, there also is this magic device that keeps all your memories. So... Look, if they wanted us to feel the sadness of the Maria Hill being killed in the first episode, but by the end of it, she got she gets Dr. Priscilla Davis, which is to say a scroll a scroll comes along and says, maybe it's even Gaia, I don't know, says, I will assist you, Fury. And look, I just matrix downloaded uh not how to fly a helicopter, but how to be a complete Maria Hill for the next 10 years of Avengers movies. Boop. I'm now Kobe Smulders, Maria Hill. That's not going to feel good on this end. That's going to feel like it's, you know, for as much as it's acceptable story technology in the MCU, it's not going to feel emotionally authentic. And I'll tell you why it's because they asked us to be sad when this great character got killed off at the beginning of this show. Yeah. We got to see how they land this here, Matt. Um, We've been told that not even Fury's mother calls him Nick. So that's the giveaway, right? We had uh, the imposter Rhodes call him Nick in the firing scene. Red flag, boom, he's a scroll. Uh, Scylla has 
called him Nick in this episode. We already knew she's a scroll. Um, interesting that they've laid that out that way. It is. And look, I'm really not down on this show and I'm really not down on Marvel, but let me just, how should I take that line? If that was just a cool line thrown out whenever it was thrown out, fine. It's not, you know, the, it's not the end all and be all of like, that's a, a hard rule that can never be crossed, but you're right. Rhodey calling him Nick. We can look back and say that was a clue. Got it. Perfect. But Scylla saying it as well. Okay. I mean, could I, could I make an argument that an exception to Fury's rule is this woman that he's been married to for what? Close to 30 years, 25 years. Sure. That's a, that's a fine exception. Throw a line in there to say, you were the only one I ever, I ever let call me Nick. Cause otherwise, Look, it's not just nerds like us who sit and go, but this is a line that was said in a thing. Like, no, that's a real story rule that got created and you need to adhere to it or answer it. Or here's another one. She sit and say, you know, that's why I always call you beloved or never call you, Nick. you know, whatever it is, you could turn it to a story plus, not a story negative. Uh, what was the point of them shooting one another in their home? I think the point was they both had a job to do, which is to take the shot at the other person. Uh, for Scylla's purposes, it was offense. In Fury's case, he was going to shoot back kind of in defense. You know, if you're going to take me out, I'm going to take you out. But neither had the gusto to actually shoot the other person. Um, so I think the point was both had a job to do one offensive one defensive but neither could do it to the other person and that speaks to their love and what does all of this at the end of the episode mean for gaia well pete couple of thoughts here if if we've come all this way i say all this way talos in one movie and then a post-credit scene and then this show or you want to say, fine, it was Talos actually in Spider-Man 2. Whatever. If we've come all this way just to kill him off so that, you know, a uh, 60-year-old guy, his spot in the MCU could be uh, fulfilled by a younger actor playing the daughter of the of Talos, oh, that's that's fine. That's cool. I mean, I, 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 I like Ben Mendelsohn plenty. I like Talos plenty. But that's not, you know, you're not taking away my Talos kind of thing. Um so that could be the case, you know, the, the child can now soar to heights, you know, now that they must be an adult themselves. Goodbye, Uncle Owen. Goodbye, Aunt Brew, that kind of thing. Um, eh, I, I personally wouldn't go for that if I'm if I'm if I had a hand in the show. I'd say, how about they fight the freedom fight together? Uh, and hopefully that's where Gaia is headed to really realize, you know, she's done the mole thing. Now it is time to come home to the more peaceful, the more optimistic plan. Uh, the one that puts its faith in humanity and doing the right thing. And, and maybe that's our Marvel uplift at the end. We've received several communiques from our field agents. Let's see what they had to say. Pete, we ran the poll on Twitter because uh, Threads doesn't do polls. Um, here's what people had to say. Uh, all about the twist, of course. Uh, people's thoughts. Uh, never saw it coming. Got 25%. Good job, Marvel. Got 50%. 
Uh, it's fine, but dot, 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 got 17.9%. And then gotta be Chloe soon, that return of Chloe Bennett's quake, got 7.1%. Some replies here. Uh, Steve Thurbridge on Twitter said, three out of four have ended with a major death scene. Maybe Gaia switched, dies twice in a row. We have an answer to can scrolls tell other scrolls question. Also, I feel like one more scroll reveal is coming. Ooh, that would be fun. Um, Rose Ferry at Anna Rose584 says, Real Rhodey would never be talking in church. What was she slash he thinking? Um, which, Pete, let's stick with part of that for a second. Uh, I give the production credit. I don't, I, I, I do have a slight sense of in the comics, there's a Princess Scroll character, and maybe that's who the female Scroll is impersonating Rhodey. Um, if so, that's all good. For as much as Marvel, I think, sometimes is like, well, we're going to be a little diverse here, but we don't really want to get into like, you know, a, a Bud Light type controversy. Um, I dig the choice of the scroll behind Rhodey being female. Um, I think it's a good way to kind of be diverse without it turning into, turning away from more than Marvel wants it to be. Let's put it like that. Certainly not what we were expecting, right? The the woman in the shower oh that's gonna be gaia and it's it's not so that they're keeping you guessing two-thirds of the way through this series i think is a sign that they're successful we hear from andre yeager at dr polo 1983 i have a sinking suspicion that scarotti is a big is the big boss he she had a very regal posture sitting in the back of the suv with the mayhem happening outside also, the kitchen table scene, wow, wasn't expecting that. Heard from at Diana Bodenberg, who said, first Gaia, then Talos. Are we thinking he's not dead either? Wonder where the real roadie is, maybe hanging out in one of those Borg alcoves next to Amelia Clark. Uh, we heard from Prodigy Deserve Better at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. While I appreciate the quick resolution to the Gaia situation, then we turn around and quote-unquote kill Talos, becoming more clear who's a scroll. Are we going to get a real story of where these people are, if they're alive, dead, really enjoying it? Uh, we heard from Captain Noel Gardner at Noel Camille, who said, I saw it coming, but they still shocked me with the who. I think the roadie imposter is the real puppet master. And how long has she been roadie? Uh, the one-on-one scenes continue, continue to be outstanding. Uh, the fact it's been 13 years and these are the first scenes together for Cheadle and Jackson is wild. They are giving it their all. I'm really enjoying Evil Rhodey. I'm going back to Rhodey, the Rhodey scene in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier to rewatch. I have a suspicion. The scene with Fury and Priscilla was top-notch suspense. Fury keeps losing allies. Who's next? Uh, I guess Talos might be on that list. We'll see. Uh, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC-139. Secret Invasion 104 was too short. That's what the criticism will be. But what it was was a really great chapter and packed a punch with its brevity. We're two-thirds done. What's left to show us? Where will the story go? Where will it lead to? Once again, I'm enjoying a Marvel TV show. Uh, lastly, Pete, a preview here from JT Atkins at JTA is me. He says, I will email a longer commentary, but I will say this here. Well done. I'm sad, but wow, it's a genuine, noble sadness. To the email inbox we go where we hear first from Steve Adams. That's right. Got to wait on, on JT Atkins here. Uh, sizzling preview and all that. Uh, Steve Adams says this episode was a great mix of action and character work. 
We had some lovely tension between Fury and Priscilla. I do not think we've seen the last of her. Now that Rhodey has been exposed, we see him acting in a much more relaxed manner than we ever have seen before. Definitely out of character for him. I had dared to believe that Talos and Gaia could have happily uh, could have a happily ever after, but that was not to be. We now know she has some powers. Obviously, a powered fight between her and Gravik cannot be too far away. Let me pause that for a second. Pete, uh, let me pause Steve's words here. Um, I do love the very Marvel idea that similarly powered people will fight in the finale, and that's exactly what we have with Gaia and Gravik. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does wipe out the cameo that uh, everybody claims is coming now, doesn't it? Time will tell. Back to Steve's words here. One thing I wanted to hit on from last week's podcast was the question of whether the scrolls could detect each other. In episode two, Gaia mentioned to one of the refugees that the longer they stay in their shells, the harder it was to be detected by humans and scrolls alike. That seemed to be supported by the fact that Fury so quickly ID'd Gravik right before he killed Talos. This was the best episode yet, and I cannot wait until next Wednesday. Until then, stay fantastic. Uh, and I uh, love steve's uh homework there in terms of i would agree that that's completely consistent with what we've gotten from the show it's an interesting aspect to consider that the longer they're in the the cover shell that they can't identify one another so that insulates roadie that insulates some others we may not know about yeah it's it's there in the dialogue. Um, so it's proof of a philosophy and a you know strategy behind what they're doing. Uh, the email uh, from JT Adkins has indeed arrived. He says, fantastic ones. Look at that. This episode really impressed me. It brought weight and depth to the characters and to the struggle and arc of the series. When Agent Hill was shot in the first episode, I didn't quite believe her death would stick. But this week, the danger felt tangible and heavy. Fury and Priscilla read poetry to each other. People are quoting poems. Are we watching Star Trek? Asked JT. Uh, what kind of poetry? Uh, oh, you know, the poem that is engraved on the real world poet's tombstone. Priscilla meets fake Rody, Fody, in a church where the choir is singing a spiritual about, wait for it, death. The song Deep River reads... Deep River, my home is over Jordan. Deep River, Lord, I want to cross over into campground. Oh, I don't want you to go to that gospel feast, that promised land where all is peace. Oh, Deep River, Lord, I want to cross over into the campground. As this week's episode progresses, is the hymn foreshadowing the end of Fury, Priscilla, Fody? No, it's Talos dying as he lived, trying with all his might to do the right thing, aching over his daughter's bitterness. Talos was a likable character from his first appearance in Captain Marvel. The series imbued him with a greater nobility and heart, making his ending that much more sad, truly genuinely sad. Gravik has a serious fury problem now, and ultimately will this turn Gaia to the good and to more appearances in Marvel outings? On a lighter note, I guess Fury and Priscilla never saw Hamilton because they're both throwing away their shot. <laughs> Looking forward, I don't think we've seen the last of Priscilla, and I can't wait till next week. Pete, that from J.T. Adkins. When I listen to J.T.'s words here, the idea of Gaia taking on the persona of her father makes much more sense to me. 
Now, when you say persona, because I'm just now I'm re reassessing uh, JT's words here. When you say persona, do you mean as Amelia Clark playing leader of the Skrulls or as Gaia playing Talos, Ben Mendelsohn sometimes, Amelia Clark sometimes? Where, where are your thoughts, Pete? That's the beauty part of it, right? It could be either. That actually, that would be really fun to be like, Talos is dead, but Ben Mendelsohn will return as Gaia, as Talos, as Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> um, Amelia Clark in a wig. <laughs> it's acting, Pete. Uh, well, Pete, this entire sojourn here, and indeed all our theorizing for next week's episode, for what remains of Secret Invasion in the next two weeks, is made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Can't contribute now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds or a review, which helps push us out to the algorithm without the need to purchase verified monikers that now mean nothing. Uh, Pete's certainly looking ahead uh, can't wait for Star Trek Sunday tomorrow. Definitely, this is this has been a week where it's two opposite tones between Secret Invasion and Star Trek. No, not a lot of similarities here, so that'll be a fun trip. Uh, and as you said at the top of the podcast, uh, completing the Fantastic Geek triad here as we talk about the Ahsoka series on Monday. Uh, and of course, back next weekend for Secret Invasion Saturday and Star Trek Sunday. But Pete, for all of those things, let's keep the conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on a social media site? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,732 followers, can't be wrong. You can find me on threads under the same name where 48 followers, can't be wrong. Uh, and while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H. Like it today. Can't wait to see how the last two episodes of Secret Invasion wrap up and that coming closer and closer every day. With that, Pete... I will say adios to all listeners and give you the final word. Pappy! Pappy!